Have you tried Music to Code by yet? Well, why not? Here's a comment Joe left on the website. This is also great music to mow by. I like listening to music while doing yard work to help the monotony of it seem less tedious. This past summer, I started listening to these tracks while doing yard work, and they worked great! I could let the music play in the background without focusing on it, and it seemed to help me concentrate on getting through my tasks. Thanks, Joe. And you know, now you can download the entire 13-track collection. That's over five and a half hours of music to code by for only 39 bucks. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1392, with guest Sarah Chips, recorded Thursday, December 8th, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, Sarah Chips is here. We're going to be talking to her about jewel bots and all sorts of geeky goodness. But before that, how are you, buddy? I am well. You know, no rest for the wicked. In theory, not counting the time-shifting parts, Christmas has just gone by. That's right. And how was it? <laughs> I was amazing. Did you like my present? I did. I have no <laughs> idea what it is, but it was great, whatever it is. Did you like mine? Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Oh man, we got each other etch a sketches. There you go, as as we usually do. That's right. All I know is I'm not sending you the uh, that the whiskey advent calendar. Yeah, I don't drink so much anymore. Supporting your new lifestyle, so no advent calendar for you. Eighty pounds, my friend. Uh, Eighty pounds. Yeah, yep. can't argue with that. Eighty pounds and bye bye diabetes. <laughs> yeah, can't definitely can't argue with that. It makes a good year for you. I mean, a lot of people not particularly pleased with 2016 for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I just uh, but uh, you had a good year, my friend. I did, and I just read a report Mark Miller sent me that uh, this is the first year on record that uh, lifespan is decreased. Lifespan expectancy in the United States is down. And this would be the first generation that won't live as long as their parents did. It's interesting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Where Some... lifespan is still increasing everywhere else in the world. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. as much as there's been a lot of energy around how awful things are, mm. for the most part, being alive today is way better. Much than, better. Than being alive, say, 100 years ago. Just got to navigate your way around the, the crap. That's well, all. And we are hitting some interesting inflection points. So. We are. Uh, that'll continue. But that sounds like more geek out material than it is. Oh, definitely. Uh, techie show. Yeah. Right. Well, let me tell you about a Christmas present that I received that I gave myself a couple years ago. Oh, my. So roll the music. All right, dude, what do you got? A couple years ago, I swore off talking about uh, Kickstarter projects after we had a little debacle where I talked about one that I didn't realize had been completely... Um, failed, failed. Yeah. yeah, that's right. As, as it happens, I have a few. I've 
I've supported that ended up failing. Right. Just because someone has the idea and makes a video doesn't mean it exists. Yep. But, however, I did support a particular Kickstarter called NAVD. Hmm. N-A-V-D-Y. And the video promised a, a heads-up display for your car. Neat. That has a teleprompter-like interface, so it's clear, and you see through it, and things are projected and magnified. So you see this uh, display of... Well, it connects to your car, right? Through the, through the DB port. And you get, you know, all the stuff that your dashboard says, tachometer and, uh, uh, you know, miles per hour, speed limit, all that kind of stuff, where your, your GPS data, where you are. And it also, as phone calls come in or messages or tweets or any bunch of other stuff, they show up. And you can see who's calling you, and you can answer calls and stuff with a little dashboard button. So, Bluetooth into your phone, but it also connects to your car itself? Yep, it connects to the car itself through the DB port. Okay. And um, that's usually just under your dashboard somewhere. It was easy to find in my car. And uh, it, it's pretty cool. And, and I, I think you're talking about ODB2. That's right. Right. Yeah, I forgot ex- the exact name because I never had to know that. Who would before. know that? Nobody right. needs to know that. Yeah, that's why your mechanic plugs your car into their computer so that they can interface with it and yeah, see. Yeah, ODB stands for onboard diagnostics. Very good. Uh, so anyway, I got it, and I was very pleased to find out that my. $299, $299 investment turned out to be good because they're retailing for $799. Wow. There you go. They, you know, once again, Kickstarter gave you an advantage. You got in early, you were an original supporter, and you made a deal. And, and mm-hmm. looking at the reviews for this thing, people love it. Yeah, it's very cool. Very, very cool. And, you know, once I got everything configured right, here's a tip, kids. Um, don't use Bluetooth audio for your car. Because <laughs> not only is there a delay, yeah, but if you have more Bluetooth devices that your phone connects to, you're going to just have all sorts of trouble. And that's what I experienced. And, and I went to the auxiliary input. So I actually plugged the audio in from my phone into the car's auxiliary right. port. And it's much, much smoother that way. And this we- way, I can actually talk to Siri and, uh, you know, have that conversation. So... There's a button that you mount on the steering wheel where you can push the button twice or hold it down anyway, and Siri pops up and you can ask her to call people or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have a Bluetooth crisis in general. One of the things I got myself for really the house this Christmas was a set of app lights, which are literally Christmas lights with a Bluetooth interface. And how'd that work out? They're RGB, so you can do all kinds of crazy things with them. I programmed them up some great patterns and stuff, so that's good fun. However... You, you hit this threshold where now you have too much Bluetooth, right? Between my band, my interface to my phone system in the house, my interface to the car, the interface to this thing, I am perpetually repairing my phone now. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Yep. Uh, that's about all I want to talk about, Navdi. It's pretty cool. That's and, very uh, neat. And, and it's nice to hear a good news Kickstarter story. Yeah, it's really the first one that I've seen, you know, back-to-back work all the way through and have it be what I expected it to be. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. So, who's talking to us, Richard? Ah, you know, we're doing a bot show, and we haven't done a lot of bot show, but I dug back on one, episode 902. Oh, wow. August of 2013, we talked to a fellow by the name of Chris Williams about no bots and robots conf, which is a conference back in the day. So, yeah, three years ago. 
But uh, some really good comments here, and, and some of this stuff's a little bit dated, but I think it still relates to what we're talking to as a whole. Okay. This is from Andrew Hansen. He says, this is another fantastic show. It took me multiple sessions to make it all the way through, if only because Chris can really pack a lot of content into anything he talks about. Indeed. What made this show so worthwhile for me was the discussion on children and education. You know right. we're going to go here today. Yep. As the father of both a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old that have proven to be great consumers of technology, aren't they always? Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to get them interested in the production side of technology. Right. And I know that trying to get them to appreciate a CRUD application is going to be a long shot. Mm -hmm. They're not that exciting, and they're really not that tangible. Mm -hmm. Even trying to focus on website development or game development isn't enough to keep them interested for long. Yeah. But I can see my kids being very interested in this type of stuff. That's that physicality makes all the difference. Right? Yep, yep. I thought that Chris hit it on the spot when he talked about giving the kids an Xbox controller first and letting them play with the technology to get them excited. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to ramble on too long. Thanks for another great show. And speaking not only to my programmer side, but also my dad's side as well. Hmm. Well, we we spoke to that three years ago, Andrew, but finally I've read your comments, so a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET .com or via any of our social media, because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook, and if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And follow us on Twitter, okay? I'm at Carl Franklin, he's at Rich Campbell. Send us tweets, because uh, we send them over to Sarah and she makes bracelets out of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me officially welcome Sarah Chips to the show. She is a JavaScript developer based in New York City and CEO of JewelBots, which produces friendship bracelets for the iPhone era. Formerly, Sarah was CTO of Flatiron School. In 2011, Sarah helped Melanie Moore create Elizabeth and Clark, a subscription service that alleviates the stress of shopping by sending beautiful basics each season. In 2010, she co-founded Girl Develop It. Girl Develop It, a nonprofit focused on helping more women become software developers. Welcome to .NET Rocks, Sarah Chips. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, well, it's such a great story. We, we couldn't help it. <laughs> That's great. I'm so excited about all the bot stuff you guys have already talked about. It's an amazing time to, you know, to be tinkering with stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, uh, Doug from NavD um, was an early mentor of Joelbot, so I literally did not breathe the entire time you were talking about it. So, so I was like, how do you like it? How do you like it? Is it good? Is it good? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's how it feels. So, well, uh, yeah, I love it. Um, I, I do have uh, one tip, though, for anybody who's getting one. It comes with this little kit of uh, stick on wire tidiers. And what they do is you just put the wire through them so that, you know, you have a wire going to your port underneath and you want to basically do that because if you don't, you have a wire hanging down where your gas pedal is and stuff. And if you get out of the car and you're not paying attention where your feet are, they might get hooked into that wire system and, oh, I don't know, do some damage. So, not, how me. would you know this? I don't know. It's just speculation. Okay. Pure speculation. All right. <laughs> but yeah, be careful with that. Just, you know, follow the instructions, what I'm saying. It always pays. But yes, I love Navdi, and uh, I thought it might be another distraction, but it's actually, once you get used to it, uh, and you put it up high enough so that you still see everything that you're supposed to see, 
uh, it's it's much better than looking at the dashboard. Let's let's say that. That's great. Yeah, you started out Jewelbots with a Kickstarter as well, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We did a Kickstarter in August of 2015. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars. That seems <laughs> like it probably exceeded expectations. It definitely did. Um, we didn't know what to expect. We were raising thirty. We and looking back now, it's a good thing we we raised more. But um, and so my plan was to make is I was like, listen, all I've got to do is make sure we get a thousand dollars a day. We get a month. Um, so to reach our goal, we have a uh, you know I'm just going to do something new every day to make sure to promote the project so we hmm. can hit that goal. Nice. Uh, and then we hit the goal on the first day. And I was like, well, I'm done. So much for that. I can go home. <laughs> Got nothing to do now. I'll tell you, as a, as an avid Kickstarter and Indiegogo supporter and watcher, I'm always concerned about sort of projects that go badly awry, too. And, you know, when you're after 30 and you get 167... That's you better have gotten your numbers right because any mistake you've made just got magnified three or four times. It's doing that budgeting correctly is uh, really difficult, especially when you haven't built uh, a consumer electronics product before. And I, and I think that I think that's that's what people run into a lot is mm. you make your best guess, but um, you know these things when you're dealing with physical products, there's a lot that can go wrong. Yeah, very very challenging. So you've obviously been a big proponent of getting women and young girls into programming, which I think is so awesome and so necessary. Um, when did the, th the whole idea of making friendship bracelets come to you? And how long did it take before, you know, that excitement turned actually into to some action? So actually, the idea was not mine at all, um, which is part of the fun of Jewelbots. Uh, my original idea... so. One thing, uh, and the like the comment you read from the Chris Williams show, which also Chris Williams, uh, this wouldn't have happened without him. Um, uh, kids like working with things that are tangible, right? right. They like, um, you know, no one, they don't want to build a crud app. That's absolutely true. And so uh, I really wanted to find something that um, kids like to play with. Like if you look at, do you guys play Minecraft at all or do you? Absolutely. Yeah. I've used it, but I'm not, I'm yeah. not an avid player. I've never played, I've actually never played it myself. It looks just like Legos to me. I don't yeah. really get it. But. Very much like Legos, except some of them move. And they explode. And yeah. they're dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Well, kids love Minecraft and it's open source as well. So it turns out there's all these like, tiny eight-year-old server admins and tiny 10-year-old <laughs> Java developers running around. Totally true. <laughs> Minecraft, it's so wild and it's so hard. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted to do, but with like a feminine slant on it. Mm. Um, and my first idea was to have a bracelet that you could change the color of it to match your outfit, right? Like I'm going to wear blue today, I'll make my bracelet blue. Mm. Um, and so I you know, worked with a friend to build a prototype um, and brought it to uh, some schools to get some opinions, uh, you know, like of our demographic. Uh, and they were like, yeah, that's really lame. Like, <laughs> I'd never use that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Great. I know. Thanks. Yeah. Well, at least I didn't go through a whole Kickstarter and all the things to find that out. So yeah. right. uh, we were just like, okay, well, what's exciting to you and what's fun to you and what are you wearing now? And the more kids we talked to, 
the more we heard the same things over and over again is, you know, my friends are important. Talking to my friends are important. Hanging out with my friends are important. Mm. Um, and they're all already wearing friendship bracelets, um, right. sometimes like all the way up their arms. So yeah. uh, when we started talking about a smart friendship bracelet, they started really freaking out about it. Right. Wow. So when you get the right idea, they make it absolutely apparent it's the right idea. So I get yeah. friendship bracelet. I get that and why kids like that. What is it about these friendship bracelets that make them so cool? Well, they're smart friendship bracelets. So they use Bluetooth to detect each other. So when you're near your friends, your bracelet glows the color of your friendship. So when you un when you unbox your jewel bot um, and you have a friend around, you guys pick a friendship color. So whenever you're near each other, your um, bracelets glow the same color and you can send each other secret messages. Hmm. So um, from device to device. So you don't need a cell phone at all to use jewel bots. And, um, you know, you and I can come up with a secret code and we can communicate whenever we want. Wow. That is clever. Yeah. And, that that, is and clever. They, was the social element that really accelerated this thing? Yeah, that's what's really important to them. Right. Yeah. But you don't need a phone. You don't need a phone. So we are the only, so we're the, we're one of, we're two first. So we're the first open source wearable um, that's mass produced. And we're also uh, the first wearable that talks from device to device. Rather than device to phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And what kinds of yeah. messages can you send with it? So you can use, so Jewelbots has four RGB LEDs. Uh, a button and a motor, so you, or a vibration motor. So you can use any combination of lights and vibration. Wow. All right. So they're not text word messages, but it's like, hey, if you see me, if your thing lights up with all different colors, this means this. Yeah. Yeah. And they love that part because yeah. they like coming up with secret languages. Yeah. And sure. Who, yeah. The young kids love secret languages. Like That's absolutely things you're going to go all over. And it's open source and it's peer to peer. So actually yep. the technology in this is very slick. It is. It actually really is. No one rec like it's hard because it's like a product for young girls, but it is pretty, right. it's pretty high tech. Yeah. In the meantime, it's, it's, you don't even need a phone to set it up or, or, or a laptop or. No. Nope. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. So does it come as a kit? I mean, is it programmable? How exactly, or, or is it just a consumer product? How exactly does it work? Yeah. So out of the box, it's just like a consumer product. So you don't need a laptop or a phone. You don't need to code it if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. I imagine we'll have lots of users that never code their devices and just think they're fun to play with. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you want to code the device, you can use a micro USB, which is what you use to charge like an Android phone yep. and plug it into your laptop. And then you can use the Arduino programming environment, um, which is just an IDE that's built for Arduino. Um, and upload code directly to your device. And what what language are you coding in? Uh, C++. Oh, interesting. Oh, that is so great. Yeah. Kate Gregory would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want any of this JavaScript stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's really, uh, so we just shipped like three weeks ago and um, we didn't know what to expect because you build something and we did alpha testing and things and we really, we made our best guess and it's so neat. We get emails from girls that are coding their devices and like ask, they're like testing the capabilities and asking for new features and all kinds of stuff. So it's pretty exciting. So I got a couple for my 14 year old daughter. 
for Christmas. Nice. And uh, I hope she liked him. This is coming out after that, but uh, right. I'm, I'm going to find out. We'll find out. Yeah. I'll let everybody know on another show how that went over, but I'm thinking it's going to go over well. I bet you have that viral factor going on, you know, because young girls are really, really good at spreading the awesome. They, they're the best. And they I don't are. think, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about this demographic, but like they're who picks like the music that we listen to, they're, they're the ones that decided like these bands are cool. That's right. <laughs> you know, and, like the shows we watch, the celebrities we like, like they're the one, they're the tastemakers. So yep. I'm excited. And I bet it's been great. Hasn't it? Uh, it, it really has. There's a lot of building we still have left to do. There's a lot of, um, you know, like there's a long road ahead of us just making it a better product. And, uh, but the really hard part, which is b- building and shipping hardware is behind us. Now, I'm looking at the original Kickstarter for this, and you had intended to ship in March of 2016. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to leave that right there. But it happens to all good Kickstarter (laughs) projects. They all go longer. Yeah, Yeah. and and problems with manufacturing, I bet, had something to do with it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we still have, we still have to do a big postmortem about this. There's a lot of, um, tensions and stress in the team and, and, you know, with who we're working with and all kinds of stuff. And what I've thought a lot, I've thought, cause you know, I've built a lot of software projects. And one thing about building software is I feel passionately about, um, never being late. Right. right. Uh, yes. because, as soon as you start giving estimates and being late, you lose credibility. And when you lose that, you know, you can no longer, especially when you're on a larger team or working for a company where it's not focused on software that can really hurt you internally. So I really did put a lot of time and thought into putting this timeline together. And I did the traditional, like, okay, we're going to double it thing. Um, looking back, what really cost us was, so there's two steps of design. So there's, you design something to be mass manufactured. You get a contract with a manufacturer and then they have their own little period of uh, DFM, which is designed for manufacturing where they do another couple iterations and change some things. Um, so we uh, estimated uh, in the timeline, and this is the timeline they supplied, but it was, it compared, it compared across the board to other timelines from manufacturers. So it's not like theirs was a lot shorter. Right. The time in that, the time they estimated was about two or three months. Um, and so that, that timeline ended up being six months, seven months. Um, and so that's really where we lost all that time. Um, and that's just making little changes where it's like, we need to move this module over here, or in order to make this more cost effective, we need to try this battery and, and different things like that. And those things end up being very time consuming. Yeah. Cause some of them actually send you back to the drawing board, like if they don't fit correctly or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's really, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty wild. And because it's, physical products, you know, like you're running across, like you're running up against the laws of physics. Sure. Where you're like, yeah. I have to wait for this physical thing to get from that part of the world to this part of the world. And I can't just make it show up. Yeah. The, the agile approach of, of software of just build, 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 
scrum again, scrum again, scrum again. It, you just can't go that fast when you have to bend plastic and metal. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I kept throughout the process, like, how can we do this in an agile way? And, you know, there's a few things we were able to do, like, you know, low res prototyping in the beginning and doing a lot of testing. But there comes a point where were you, like, were you using 3D printing for that? Yeah, we did use a lot of 3D printing. We have a 3D printer here in the office. Mm -hmm. um, and then we use there's other companies that will do like more high res 3D prints. So there's even like an iterative process to 3D printing and how you get nicer ones as you go. Cool. Yeah. And but when the, like waterfall was invented for hardware <laughs> for yes, a reason. It really was. Yeah, right. You know, because <laughs> every change costs money. You know, you 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 raised I mean you raised a lot of money and I, you think you hinted at this at the beginning. It's like if you'd only gotten that thirty thousand, could you have iterated on your prototypes? Like it costs more than you think. Yeah, no, definitely not. It would have been a di very different product. Interesting. Yeah, very very interesting challenge. Like I'm glad it worked out. And you shipped in November. Yeah. Yeah. So seven months late, but you shipped. You didn't fail. Yeah. Yeah, that, there's the that's the silver lining, and, and uh, it's really great to be um, to be hearing feedback on something we you know put so much of our heart and souls in. Well, and plus you created so much buzz. Am I looking at a video of Bill Nye saying this is a great product? How cool is that? That is pretty cool. That is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know we didn't? So here's what happened: it's just one day. So he was apparently running a Kickstarter at the same time. Right. One day we get a message in our inbox and it's a video of Bill Nye saying he thinks what we're doing is awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. So he never even we told you in advance. It. He just did it. No. No, I just like like hit play and then screamed really loud. I scared the whole office. <laughs> 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 I love it. <laughs> it was great. But it also, I mean, this gets back to this idea of making a physical product, getting the electronics to fit in the form factor. You've got to put this on a on a young girl's wrist. It can only be so big. Yeah, and that's what we ran into in the beginning. Our first iteration, uh, and the like, the iteration that we had that was around the Kickstarter, we we started testing that, and and that's where we made the we made the mistake of looking at designs and saying that looks fine. You know, right. instead of instead of 3D printing and holding it up to holding it on different wrists. Yeah, um, right. You're just we, in front we, of the customer. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So we um, we were like, oh, that sounds that sounds right. Uh, and even we could have taken a piece of paper and cut it out of a piece of paper. You know, like we didn't even have to 3D print. Yeah. Um, and so that that iteration that we got from we were working with contractors that were on the other side of the country. And, we, and when they mailed it to us. We took it out and we were like, man, this is way too big. Like, oh, no. Yeah. Mm. I've done that with, um, I've done that with a few electronics where I literally cut out a piece of cardboard to the dimensions they tell, told me. Yeah. And then you actually put it in your hands and like, Hey, my thumb doesn't go across the screen. Like right. that's, this is too big. It's always too big. It's rarely too small. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's. Yeah, that was a big lesson. Oh, and it's got to be a heart-sinking moment. You've now spent the money to manufacture a prototype you know you can't use. Yeah, it was a lot of money. I had this interesting experience where I got this um, video camera from uh, some Chinese manufacturer through uh, Amazon. And I just wanted the, like, the, the cheapest video camera I could that had an HDMI output so that I could use it for live streaming, you know? 
Mm. You know, so I'm I was going to bring it into a processor, capture the video, and then have a, a switch and all that stuff. But I didn't really need a big uh, fancy camera. And I got this thing, and I found out there's a problem. If you actually want to use it with the DC adapter, okay, the the HDMI port is so close to the DC adapter port that it doesn't fit <laughs> if it's plugged in. Wow. Yeah, talk wow. about wow. <laughs> They're so close <laughs> to each other, you can't use them both at the same time. And that's a completely limiting feature on the product suddenly. That's yeah. a much more subtle <laughs> problem than, hey, this thing's too big. That's right. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. That's wild. They must have realized that at some point and then been like, ah. Eh. It's too much money. We can't afford to redo this again. We meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why it was 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, I must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to bring in a new sponsor. Introducing Jewel Brats, Jewel maker Brats? of high-end ruby-studded sausages you cook in beer and onions and finish on the grill, don't you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> they might be a little expensive for your average .NET Rocks listener, though, so I don't know. We'll, we'll have to play it by ear. Jewel yeah. Brats. Okay. Honestly. And the crickets came out. <laughs> they were cheaper if you got them in the Kickstarter, but now. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's right. It's actually time to give away a Sync Fusion Essential Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you what Richard and I like about Sync Fusion. They have over 650 components for web, desktop, and mobile applications, including great native Xamarin controls. They even have enterprise solutions with a dashboard designer and big data platform. Best of all, they're affordable. It's one flat fee for everything. Everyone in the company, no hassle, no gimmicks, and you really get every application with no restrictions. Check them out at syncfusion.com or look them up on Facebook to see how you can get started today. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Jeremy Abbott. Congratulations, Jeremy. Golf clap oh, for you, sir. Clap for you, sir. And Jeremy just won the Syncfusion Essential Studio. Great big pile of awesome from them. And, of course, if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree, which we just did last week. Yep. And Brian Wilson was our winner. And... uh Fantastic. So sorry if you didn't win this year, but, you know, stick with us. Maybe someday it'll happen. Awesome. Got to sign up to win. We also like to ask our guests, Sarah, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? That's such a good question. I've thought about this a lot. Hmm. Great. Uh, yeah. And I think that one thing I can never um, afford to, or never make sense to buy, there's all these companies doing really cool wearable fashion. My favorite one is one in London called Cute Circuits. Huh. And they have these really nice products that like either have LED readouts or they have like a dress that reacts to your tweets and like really cool stuff like that. And they're like super pricey. So I would just like buy a bunch of that, I feel like. Awesome. Just to have samples. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just the most connected. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I got to imagine you're not done, right? Like... 
You've you finally got the product out the door. Clearly, it's sold well. People are excited about it. I do want to talk about the programming side of it, but is there going to be a V2? Yeah, definitely. Um, and both of this product and other products, uh, but there'll, there'll be definitely new stuff down the line. Interesting. That's great. You have more ideas for more products. Is this something that you're going to uh, continue on with? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. I've, I've been working on the second product in my head for the past six months. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> I, I just haven't told the rest of the team about it yet. Oh, okay. So they're going to find out by listening to the show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to do it. You know, Richard and I have been talking for a long, long time about the charity side of .NET Rocks because we have this, uh, we have the attention of a lot of developers who could utilize their time. And out of that conversation, Richard came up with the idea of the humanitarian toolbox. But, you know, the whole um, charity aspect of uh, getting kids into programming uh, you know, requiring, you know, some hardware, like some Raspberry Pis or things like that. I went looking out on the internet for places or foundations or funds or some place that you can donate to that actually ends up giving uh, technology to schools and empowering teachers to teach with it. And it's kind of hard to find. Do you have any favorite um, resources that you like to support in this regard? That's a great question. And I think that, yeah, there's not a lot of hardware. Um, there's not a lot of hardware for schools charities. I think that um, a lot of it has to do with the difficulty of getting physical products into schools, like the logistics, as mm. well as the expense. A lot of schools don't. One thing that if I could talk about this for an hour and a half, so cut me off if you No, <laughs> no, we're really interested but, to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So one thing, um, as part of the process of building jewel bots, I went to, we went to visit a lot of schools, a lot of public schools and a lot of private schools. Mm. And one thing that I observed as part of the process is that private schools have huge computer science budgets. Sure. And they have teachers with computer science degrees and they have products, they have little bits, they have raspberry pies, they have all the things. Um, mm. And in public school, and it doesn't matter if it's in a an area with like a, a area with uh, less of a budget or um, lower income area. In public school, you have a you still have typing class, right? Right. And there there may be a programming class later on in high school, but when you're in middle school and elementary school, you really don't have a lot of options. Um, in my is what I observed. Um, so there's this huge, there's this huge disparity, I think, um, between this two, these two educational experiences. And so I think something like this is really important. Um, which is why I really like, uh, programs like Scripted, which is something that Scripted is my favorite nonprofit for kids. It's something that Scripted? Is, yeah, scripted.org. They are here in New York and in San Francisco and hopefully growing. Um, but they uh, go to uh, lower income areas and work with kids and teach them how to program and do and give them internships. And it's awesome stuff. That is um, exactly what I was looking for, Sarah. That is great, awesome. awesome. Yeah, they're they're really great. And uh, they do a lot of good work. And I've met a lot of their students and they're so bright. Wow. Yeah, wow, and, wow, and wow. it's scripted script ED, right? Like script education. Yep. Yep. It's really interesting. 
And this is so this is a way that, you know, without actually directly, you know, going into schools just by donating to them, you're helping out kids with technology. That's a good use of your money right there. Although admittedly, just to be the guy who's not from the US, this is a US centric thing and in some respects I think a US centric problem. Sure. You know, you, you, your school systems are really struggling. Not that Canadians are perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but my public school does have a good computer lab and, yeah. you know, is teaching those classes. Yeah, well, that's because your government values education. Oh, I hope so. You know, over uh, corporate interests. It's an interesting problem, isn't it? Yep. Sure that's- is. Anything we can do to try and address it because we, we need more folks programming. And let's talk about programming. Let's do that. I could spend hours to talk about the hardware because I love the yeah. hardware, <laughs> but uh, we only got so much time. And I really want to know what people what people would do here. What programming, what code would they write and why would they write it? Um, well, this is, this is really fun stuff. Um, right now, uh, we, so right on launch, we have libraries that allow you to code for the button and for the lights and for the vibration motor. So you could do cool patterns and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it really doesn't stop there because we have access to the Bluetooth. Um, so the next thing we're going to be doing is writing a library right now. You could actually code any of these things, but we're writing libraries to make it easier. Right. Right. So they don't have to learn like memory management and things like that yeah um so because that's it is c plus plus after all exactly um but down the road uh we'll have mods for you to um you know program your device to react to certain friends in certain ways Mm -hmm. you can have it pair pair with your phone so it can tell you if you have text messages or a new instagram follower or you know if it's going to start raining soon or that's cool if your parents are coming to pick you up any anything that you want so th- that's what we're really excited about yeah wow. what's nice about that is you know it's something other than a phone you know and so therefore it has its own domain and it has its own uh set of things that only it can tell you which i think is great it, it, it feels a little bit more inclusive you know a little bit more um special yeah, exactly. It can do it can do anything an Apple Watch can do, a jewel bot can do, it just doesn't have a screen. <laughs> yeah, and it's about eight hundred dollars cheaper. It's just, <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> I can't believe you said that, Sarah. It's awesome. Tim Cook's <laughs> gonna be calling, I suspect. <laughs> oh well. My seventy dollar uh Apple Watch wearable. replacement. Yeah, does everything your thing does. Your your multi hundred dollar thing does just doesn't have a screen. Yep. <laughs> well, and heck, without the screen, I bet your battery life is great. Uh, our battery life is okay. Uh, Apple's a lot. Uh, Apple's a lot better than we are. We're about. We have the same battery life as an Apple Watch. I bet. Like if it's if it's going the whole time, full blast, you have about a day. If it's uh, if it's off or in sleep mode, you have it a few days. Cool. All right, which just means you have a smaller battery. We have a smaller battery. They probably have a custom. One thing that I we also learned as part of this process is you can either go with standard battery sizes, which is what we did, or you can have custom batteries made, which is a very uh, time-intensive process, very expensive. And so, um, you know, but it allows you to have a smaller device. So right. uh, maybe one day. And then also, we're also always like pushing firmware updates and we're always optimizing for battery. So uh, battery life will get longer as we go. How do they get the updates into the device? So uh, 
when they so right now actually people are getting them from the Arduino IDE. Right. Um, which isn't ideal. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, our goal is to do it by Christmas, fingers crossed. We'll be releasing the app and you can have an update right from the app. Very cool. And yeah, it's very, that's really nifty. Yeah. Just really interesting to think about all the possibilities here. Like you, you're clearly at the beginning of a really, as much as you've done in the past year, Sarah, which, you know, kudos to you. This is an incredible journey. Mm. You're at the beginning of some really interesting possibilities here. Absolutely. And it's seriously a, a leader in this whole tech for girls thing, which has been ignored. And, and it's unbelievable because like, as we said before, these, you know, young girls are the trendsetters. Uh, why do you think most of the music in the music business is catered to them? Right. Cause it yeah. sells. I mean, without, without them, we wouldn't have Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. Or guns and roses. <laughs> <laughs> both being equally as valuable of course yeah okay yeah. <laughs> equally as valuable all right <laughs> <laughs> i mean is there any mind to making a simpler programming model you know a, a tier of maybe an if this then that kind of approach yeah, I think there there definitely is. There's one thing that has been really neat. And, you know, we set the ecosystem up like this on purpose. And I hope it only grows is we have a lot of developer parents. And since we're open source, we have, um, we're starting to get an ecosystem of people that are building for dual bots. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, because they're excited, like they're excited, their kids are excited, they want to build with their kids. So they're like, man, like, what, where can I get started? Yeah. Um, and so I, I have a feeling that's going to come somewhere down the road. Yep. Just taking a look at the, all of the Jewelbot related things on GitHub. And uh, there's a few. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And you've just published all the stuff for open source. A bunch of this is your own, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we open sourced our, you know, our Arduino library and um, we're going to start open sourcing like 3D printable files for different charm designs. So you could print your own charms if you don't want to go with the default one. And then down the road, we'll be releasing other charms as well. Um, but we'll release the 3D printable files. So if people just want to 3D print them. Um, that's fine too. Yeah, they could make their own covers their own way. Yeah, that's or, important. I'm going to have to call them charms, right? You're going to make me call them charms. <laughs> yeah. That's a good We're name trying. for them. Uh, my daughters are in their 20s, so yeah. uh, I don't know if I could get them, out, get them on board with this. It's an interesting thought. Have you seen success in getting girls to get past the use of the technology and getting into programming through Jewelbots? Like, is this a really good uh, gateway drug, let's say, to real programming? Have you witnessed this? Well, I can tell you that there's lots of girls with their Jewelbots writing C++ right now. Wow. And that's awesome. That is um, amazing. Yeah, it's 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 so so neat, and it's so neat to get their videos and letters, and they're they're excited, like they've wanted something like this, which is which is really crazy. But they're they're really excited about this. So, um, and you know, I think it's so new that time will only tell, you know, if it brings them onto other things afterwards. Or sure, sure. Yeah, I, I really will. I, we, we're going to have to keep up with you at least once a year and see how it's going and, and how that you're, you're bending the needle. Cause I, I definitely great. think you're going to. We hope so. That's the, that's why we've been doing this. Yeah. 
Yeah, the challenge here, like I'm just thumbing through YouTube looking for different Jewelbot and, and there's a lot, so much promotional and news material. I almost feel like the user's own YouTubes might be overwhelmed by that. That it's just like hard to make that visible that here's a kid who put up their own video of here's what I made. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, so it's, it's funny. Our someone, um, uh, call said we had a prolific marketing arm not that long ago. Um, and that's my co-founder, Brooke. I told her I was going to get her a sign for her desk that said prolific marketing arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully we haven't had too much stuff go out to YouTube. There's some things on our forum. Um, if you go to our, on the community on our site, uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, as time goes on, uh, user content will take over our, our internal marketing that would be awesome but it's very i mean it's very early days like you said you just shipped i I bet you there's an awful lot of people about to receive this for christmas or maybe considering the time shift element just receive this for christmas yeah right yeah you don't even know what's going to happen i you might be in for a bit of a ride here sarah Mm. yeah that's we're prepared we figured there's going to be a lot opened over the next couple weeks so um yeah we Mm. we we're excited yeah, well, you have a good problem. Yep, sure is. Does <laughs> <laughs> it mean you don't have a problem? Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Can we talk a little bit about Girl Develop It? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, Girl Develop It. So, I left Girl Develop It um, two and a half years ago to start Joelbots. And at that point, we had taught, I think we were at, I don't know how many students, maybe 10 to 15, maybe 15,000 students at that time. And we had, uh, about eight chapters. Um, and now two and a half years later, Girl Development has taught over 60,000 students and has over 50 chapters in the U.S. That's so, so it is great. Going fast. It is really amazing. Wow. And what are you teaching or what, what are they teaching? Yeah, everything uh, uh, from HTML, CSS to data science, Ruby on Rails, Python, all kinds of classes. And most of them are for beginners. And some of them are for, um, you know, more advanced classes. But usually chapters start with the beginner classes first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for people that are just curious and want to get involved and, you know, don't want to be in an environment where they can feel like it's like a judgment-free zone. Right. Sure. Yeah. I, I have, and, and was it primarily high school students? No. So it's primarily adults. So. It okay. is our average, stu- anywhere from 18 to people in their 70s. Most students are um, some in their late 20s, early 30s. I see. And they are usually people that work in, um, about 3% of students leave their jobs and become uh, professional developers, which is great. Hmm. Uh, the rest of them, most of them work in uh, technology adjacent roles. So they might be product managers or startup CEOs or, um, people that work near developers that, you know, they look at developers and they're like, man, that's such cool stuff. I want to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Or I want to know how to communicate, um, better with the people that are building the software. Hmm. So they take our classes. That's really interesting. And 3% out of 60,000, that's 1800. That's not a small number of people. It's not. It's not. Um, That's. It, it's really neat to think about, and um, that those are the best stories. Yeah, no kidding. It's a. Uh, it's huge. It's hugely compelling, and it's like it, we we're we're desperate for more developers, more IT folks in general, and doubly so. Something other than middle-aged white men. Yeah, 
That's true. You know, we we have a, a, a diversity problem. So anything we can do to, to make this a more diverse industry, I think is a smart thing to do. Yeah, it's it's really neat. It's really, um, it's it, it's awesome to see what that diversity can do to a group of people. Um, you know, after you get the hump, through the hump of like, oh, wow, there are different people here. This is weird. Right. Um, you can build some really awesome things. Fantastic. So folks just come to the, they, they just run events in these different chapters? Yep. And usually they're pretty low cost. Usually it's like $20 a class or so. Right. Uh, it can go up to like $80 for a bunch of classes in a row. And um, people come and develop people that teach the class or, you know, full-time developers there at night um, or on the weekend so that people can have jobs and go to class as well. Nice. And I, I'm just looking at the Washington one, which would be the closest to me from Vancouver. And uh, yeah, it's mostly study groups and then the occasional hackathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, but yeah, I guess considering what you had to do to get Jewelbots, you, it was all consuming for a while there, or maybe it still is, or maybe mm. it always will be. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard. They say that building hardware uh, companies is difficult, and I can tell you that it is really difficult. Um, I did it. I did it exactly once. I won't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, it's. It's nice to be on the other side, but it's probably one of the. I don't have any kids, so I can say it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah, wow. that's true. Yeah, it's sort of all consuming, no question. Well, Sarah, this is fantastic. Congratulations, and especially for what you're doing for young girls everywhere. Uh, Richard and I both have daughters, and we really, really appreciate this kind of thing. Yeah, of course, that's great to hear, and I hope um, I hope your daughters love them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. Thanks again, Sarah. Thank you for having me. You bet. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a... Oh.